Jay Cleaver. Beautiful. Welcome to the Virtus Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm actually looking forward to this. Good. Good to have you. We've wanted to get you on since you first walked into our facility. I think after the 2021 Premiership with you and uh, six of your Premiership teammates. Yep. Uh, ever since then, we've wanted to get you on, so we appreciate you coming and uh, you know taking your time. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I love this place. Um, to be honest, it's. Um, yeah, every time I drive into the car park, it's a bit of my uh, sanctuary. I, I like to, uh, you know, I love training, obviously. Um, I'm a bit of a, yeah, a footy nuff, but also I just love the uh, physical side of the, the game. So in terms of um, training, I, I hate going into the club in the off-season. It's actually one of my pet hates. Um, and I think the physio and the uh, strength and conditioning you know, staff, they know that because when they ask me to see me in the off-seasons, it's usually a flat-out no. Um, I just tell them that I'm there for nine months of the year, so you can see me then. But, uh, yeah, that, that they normally have to come and try and find me from, you know, somewhere like this because, yeah, I, I absolutely love this place and I love going to other gyms and, and seeing what they provide. And, um, yeah, it's just a different atmosphere rather than being at the footy club all the time. Thanks for the pump up. I didn't even have to bait you there. Just straight into it. Yeah, what, what's been your favourite thing about training at Virtus? Or oh, favourite thing? Actually, um, it's funny because, you know, a lot of footballers talk about, um, you know, having a gym at home and, and you know, post footy, what are you going to do? Are you going to try and set up a gym at your house and all that? And um, ever since I've come here, I've always said that, nah, I just want to be at the local gym with that community feel. And every time I walk in, it's funny. Every time I walk in, I've got my AirPods and I never, ever put them in. Like I, I walk in and think to myself, you know, I've got to really focus today yeah. and, and put them in. And it's always like I get chatting to someone and then it's like a 20-minute conversation and then I might, you know, start talking to Lockie or, or you or someone else. And it's like, yeah, it's amazing how much like – a 45-minute gym session almost takes me an hour and a half to do when I'm here. But I actually love that part of it um, because I think sometimes as a footballer, especially me, um, when I talk to people, you know, I would say out in the wild, out, out <laughs> in the community, I sort of always am a little bit reserved on uh, potentially like what they want from me. And it's a really bad habit that I've got. Um, what what of, do you mean by that? It's almost like... Um, I go into the conversation and I guess they know who I am and then potentially it might be, oh, can I get a signed footy jumper? Can yeah. I get that? And it's like, it's probably not, like, it probably happened to me once in a hundred times. But ever since that moment, it's like, you're always a little bit reserved and, um, you know, you never want to put your foot in anything. So when someone asks you a, a, almost a controversial question, you're always a little bit more reserved on what um, you want to say. But as I said, when I come here, it's like I'm just, you know, Jake Lever, the person. Um, it's never about footy when I come here as well. Like it might be a little bit about mm. training, but then it's, um, you know, how are my kids? What am I doing? You know, chatting to some of the other people that uh, work out here. Um, it's always about, you know, what they're doing for work, what I want to do after footy. Like it's, it's actually quite amazing that um, it hasn't really been, you know, something that I've said to you guys that I don't want to talk about footy. It's just sort of happened naturally and, um, it's definitely something that I love doing. Yeah, we've appreciated you having here, and I'm sure our members have appreciated having you and your presence uh, in the gym. So good to be back playing footy. Like you, you've had yes. a few weeks off. Yes, yes, no, nah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I was pretty lucky this preseason. Um, to be honest, last year, you know, you go back to the 2021 season. Um, 
you know, that was obviously an amazing experience. And then I never thought I'd be like this, but almost, uh, yeah, in the off-season of 2021, going into the 2022 season, it was actually really hard to train. Um, I guess as an individual athlete, you know, as yourself, you have these goals of what you want to achieve in your career. And, and for me, um, as a team, like I just wanted to win a, you know, a premiership. That is number one focus on any, like it doesn't matter if you're talking to a first year player or, you know, someone that's been uh, at the footy club for 15, 20 years, like it's about winning a premiership. But then you've also got your individual stuff that you want to achieve in your career. And for me, like I just thought to myself, you know, I just want to be an all Australian premiership backman. Um, and I felt like I had the capabilities to do that. And it's funny that in 2021, I'd literally achieved all those things. And um, I probably just didn't have the motivation that I normally would have. And, it, and it's funny, it's the first time, you know, that I've ever experienced it in terms of you go to training after, you know, two weeks after the grand final and you've won. And you love that feeling of winning the grand final, but you go, oh God, like what more do I have? Like, like I've done what yeah, you've ticked it off. I've ticked it off. And um, it's funny, like not until it's almost like you play your first bad game after the grand final as an individual, or as a team until you go, Oh God, like how good is winning? Um, so yeah, it, it's funny. Like I go back to those days of like coming in, I didn't really have much motivation, but um, yeah, in terms of, in terms of the the gym and everything, like it is a little bit of a sanctuary for me, and I, I do getting away. I do enjoy getting away from footy, and um, this place definitely provides me with that. Yeah, I love it. Like, is it? Do you almost forget how hard they are to win now that you have been at the top? <laughs> yeah, yes, that was uh, the big reflection last year. Um, you win it, and then you come back, and then we're ten and zero. And we're probably not playing great footy um, as a team. We're sort of just playing well and you could sense sort of um, the feeling of, oh, you know, when are we going to click in the gear? You know, we've got another level to go. Um, when can we play better? When are we going to play better? And it's it's funny because I reflect on that time and I think it was a massive missed opportunity for us as as players and, and me sort of being a leader of the footy club um, I just don't think we realised how hard it was to win. And not every week you have to be this dominant side that, you know, absolutely flogs everyone and, you know, we should win by 50, 60, 70 points every week because reflecting back to the 2021, the three finals that we played against Brisbane, um, Geelong and Bulldogs were probably the best three games that a side has ever played in a row. Like it, it was huge. It was like Brisbane, we'd beaten by 40 points, but we should have beaten them by more. Like we just couldn't score that night. And then the Geelong game was Maxie like, took the piss. Yeah, Maxie was, yeah, I don't even, he was kicking goals, playing on, snapping them from the boundary in the rough. Like it was outrageous. Um, and then the grand final, obviously there was ebbs and flows in the game, but from, geez, it would have been 10 minutes into the third quarter, like, I don't even know what I think it was like ninety six to four or something that we'd scored. Like it was crazy, it's and good. you you reflect on that and you go, "That's how we have to play all the time now." And then you get, as I said, ten rounds into the season, you're ten and zero. And if you had told me that we were ten and zero at the start of the year, you would have been like, "Oh, 
Wow. Like, How absolutely. Here. Yep, absolutely. Give us 10 and 0. But you could sense around the footy club that it was it was almost like, jeez, oh, it almost felt like a 5 and 5 team. Like, you're yep. like, we're there, but we're not playing our best footy. But it, I just th- thought it was a massive missed opportunity. We talk about it a lot that it is so hard to win in AFL footy now. Um, when I first got into the league in, I think my first year was 2015, there was honestly some games where you were like, we're going to win, but it just depends on how much. Like when I was at Adelaide, like we were a, a pretty good side when I first rocked up. And it was like, if you went and played, like when we played Gold Coast, when they first started to come in, it was like, we're either going to win by like 40, maybe 80. And if we play really well, we'll win by 100. So, but like there is nothing like that anymore. Like it doesn't matter if you play like the bottom sides now, like North Melbourne, West Coast, Hawthorne, like on their day, they like they play some genuinely Absolutely. good footy. And if you're five, ten percent off, like they can actually like roll you and you're like, wow. So every week's so challenging. Um so as I said, like I think last year we just didn't take you know, I think about my individual mindset of like not being able to get motivated and that and a lot of people might have been like that. There's definitely some guys that just love playing footy all the time and they can find that internal motivation and um, they want to be great and and so do I but it was funny that it sort of then filtered into the season of not actually taking um, those 10 wins that we had in a row um, for what they were and they were tough hard wins Um, and then I think that's where it sort of our season did derail a little bit last year. Where did you find the motivation from then this year? What made you pick it back up? Yeah, I think it's uh, failure. Like, um, you know, you see all these amazing quotes about um, failing and how it, you know, drives success. Mm. And you sort of read and you go, oh, yeah, but it's not until you actually do. And um, obviously going out in straight sets was super disappointing. But it's funny, like my body wasn't holding up last year like how I wanted it to. Um, And it started from pre-season. I had a little bit of plantar fasciitis, um, which... To be honest, I was, I think it was like the week before we went back and it was like, you know, I wake up in the morning, it was a bit sore and I'd limp around for a bit, but like as a footballer, like it's not like I wake up every day and bounce out of bed. Like I'm sore, I'm stiff, like my back sore, leg sore, foot sore, whatever it is. But this was sort of just hanging around and um, I ended up snapping it like literally three days before round one. So like I was, you know trying to persist with it over pre-season and it'd, it'd sort of be like Monday would be all right, Wednesday no good, Friday all right and then like it would be the opposite next week. Like it was just very tricky um, and I ended up snapping it like three days before round one which in the short this, this term... This is 2023? This is, no, this is 2022. I've got you. Yep. 2022. Um, and which short term terrible thing like I can't mm. walk like that. and it was funny like they tried to get me up for round one uh, like three days after snapping it and they were like we did the captain's yeah. run which is the day before the game session and they're like oh all right we'll just get you to start and like I did an A skip and I couldn't do an A Not skip happening. like I'm like oh, I can't play like um so I ended up having like a couple of weeks off and then just the whole season like was sort of yeah just I was chasing my tail a lot I end up I ended up having a stress fracture in my foot for the last six yeah, weeks trying to play. Um, and I was, I was okay. Like, I was out there and, and I'm sort of of the thought that once you cross the white, white line, you're 100% you're fit, you're ready to go. But it's funny when there's a number of your teammates that are in the similar boat to you, um, it's just it's too hard to win, especially in finals. So, um, as I said, failing, um, 
coming back that preseason, I, it's funny, like after the grand final, I had two weeks off running and probably a week of that, I was still at the gym, like like week of celebrations. And I got back to Melbourne, um, obviously, because it was in Perth and, you know, I was already at the gym, like doing stuff, but it was sort of like I was forcing myself to do that. And I remember this preseason. So obviously we went out in the second week of finals and I promised myself, I said, I'm not going to do anything for four weeks. Like yeah. go to the gym in like the third to fourth week. But that was genuinely just to make myself feel a little bit better. Well, that, that's funny because I remember that's a conversation we had in after the 2021 premiership. No, sorry, in 2022 that you reckon yep. you come back too early yeah. um, from that premiership. Yeah, definitely. Like, and that was definitely the the feeling of it. Like preseason, it's funny. <laughs> the AFL these days, the industry, it's like, the further you go in finals, you still come back the same time. So, you know, guys that don't play finals, um, they come back the same time as the team that played in the grand final. So it's like six weeks, potentially different um, holidays. But as like, there's only one winner. So like, if you are runners up in the grand final, um, you're coming back the same time as the team that finished 18th. You've had six weeks less break, I would say. And still you're probably expected because you've been runners up, you're expected by the club and even like from your teammates, like to come back in pretty good condition because you're ready to go. And I think that's where we probably, um, you know, I don't, I don't think we stuffed up in terms of the footy club getting blokes back early, but like you could see the motivation was to do it again, but it was funny. Like, I think we peaked a little bit too early and then it was like, God, halfway through the year, like I'm just knackered, like mentally as well. Um, that's probably the one thing that um, I've been working so hard at um, for probably a year and a half now, ever since last year, um, that physically, like my recovery, you know, most weeks you're going to get up and play. Like unless you hurt yourself, like your your body naturally just adapts to being sore post-game and then slowly over the week building up to the game better, day. better, yep. But mentally, like I don't think enough players um, really worked out that, oh God, like you almost need to move on from that game so quickly and then actually come out, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's, you know, doing whatever helps you. But being the best team from the year before, it's funny, like every team's hunting you. So that was probably the thing that mentally we weren't able to really deal with um, as a footy club, especially like back half of the year. Um, but yeah, it, it's funny, like the the way that, yeah, the footy club um, was able to, you know, do what we did in 2021 and then 2022, the, the difference, it's funny, like the motivation now this year is purely based on the failure and knowing where we can actually get to. Yeah, good. What sort of changes have been made to sort of help you and the other players sort of mentally rejuvenate and prepare for what's to come? Yeah, good question. I think um, probably just having more of an awareness of it. Um, we normally talk about, you know, as being at the footy club, you you know, there's so many people doing jobs that I guess even potentially from the outside you don't see whether it's our high performance staff whether it's our um, our football you know admin people working out the schedule where we're going to be and everything like that um, and it's funny like it's we, we break it down basically to like five day six day seven day eight day breaks and potentially every now and then you get a nine day break if you play on a Friday and then play the Sunday like it's it, that's probably the most ra- like the rarest um, 
But I think it's like, it actually goes way more than that now. Like whether it's a travel, um, giving more time off to guys um, at home because, you know, we've got guys now, I think we've got like six or seven guys that have families. Um, and when you go traveling and then you come back, it, it's a lot of pressure on your partner, um, your family. Do they so get to come with? They do sometimes. Um, I'm a little bit, I don't know if it's old school, but it's a real performance trip when you go away. And I never sort of, um, my wife's amazing. Like, you know, if we went away, she'd most likely stay in a different hotel with the kids. Like we're, we're pretty, like she's pretty um, respectful of what you sort of go there to do. But as much as that, like the footy club, we try and spend as little time sort of away as possible. Um, so, you don't really have a lot of free time. Sort of, you fly over there in the morning. You train. Um, you have like meetings in the afternoon. You do your recovery, that sort of stuff that you'd normally do. And then it, the next day is game day, and sort of game day for everyone's different. Um, I don't really. You don't really want to compromise that with, you know, chasing your kids around the beach, mm. at, you know, in the Gold Coast or um, catching up with people that I used to, you know, be friends with in Adelaide. Like you've actually got to sort of stay focusing on the game. So um, my wife comes to, and the kids come to, you know, maybe one or two away games a year um, because it is good experience. Like, and I, I guess like when I finally do retire, I'll probably look back and, you know, if I don't take the kids any to any away trips, I'll be like, oh, that's a really missed, a big missed opportunity. But um yeah, as much as I love, you know, spending my time with them, it is sort of pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty intense when you're on an away trip because you're sort of around everyone. And I'm also of the of the um, impression and I, I think that it's actually a really good time to bond with your teammates without that because at the footy club, you're, you're there and it's, and again, talk about the mental side of the game, you're there for like very minimal time. Um, at the club at the club yeah, okay. like it's 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 during the year it's you know pre-season <laughs> you're there all the time yep. running and weights and whatever it is and during the year it's more about you know recovery meetings um, and then obviously the the still the training side of things because I think it's important to still train but um, you sort of then go home and spend time with your family yep. like we get if it's a Saturday to Saturday game we're sort of Sunday off, um, which has been a change from the footy club, not doing a scheduled recovery because I think that um, blokes are pretty meticulous with their recovery now. It's not like, you know, blokes don't know what to do. Yeah, like everyone, everyone knows what to do. So th that Sunday sort of to rejuvenate, spend time with family, um, yeah, get a sleep in if you can, that sort of stuff. And then Monday, we're only there for half a day. Tuesday is the exact same half a day. Um, Wednesday is our big day, our main training day. And then Thursday, we've got off. Friday, we're there for three hours um, and then Saturday's game day. So you can see there's a lot of time off. Um, it's just about how you actually educate players to spend that to be able to then mentally recover because um, if you just sit there playing PlayStation, it doesn't actually work. Shit, like, no. yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, it's funny. Like it's, it's just about giving guys tools to be able to use that mental recovery because it is such an important part. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think well, myself and I know a lot of other people would, probably would have held the assumption that it's actually the opposite during the season, that yeah. you're there all the time. Yeah. And that was going to sort of lead into my next question. So how do you balance that with being a father and a parent yeah. and a husband to Jess? Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, I, as I said, like you get a lot of time away from the footy club. Um and uh, talk about before, like meticulous with my recovery. I'm fascinated by recovery. Like I 
absolutely yeah. love it. We like, know you spend a good, uh, good amount of time at our friends, the yes, private sea. Yes, so I'm at, at the private sea. Um, I love the float tank there. Yeah. Before the game, bit of magnesium in the water and just an hour to myself. So um, I love the float tank. I've just purchased it. Um, I won't say the amount because it was pretty expensive. A sauna um, at my own home. Um, oh, like no, a dri- a tradi- these boys have saunas now. Yeah, so me and Maxie actually got the same uh, company. So they yep. drip saunas. Um, I think actually Ed Langdon's onto them now. Is that too. infrared or like hot stone? Nah, hot stone. Yeah, good. Hot stone. So um, the traditional uh, Finnish sauna, I yep. think they're called. So, And I just purchased a... Um, Actually purchased a chest freezer and turned it into a uh, an ice bath. Love so, it. Yep. So I'm I'm into that, and then I've got the cold shower outside. Like I, I love my recovery. Um, so it's funny. Like as much as I'm away from the footy club, like even this morning, like we didn't start till nine o'clock this morning at Casey um, Casey Field. So it's probably forty minute drive for me, thirty five minutes on a good day. Um, and this morning, like I set my you know my saunas. <laughs> quite fancy you can set it on your on your phone when to turn it on um yeah i know it is it is pretty fancy so um i turned it on at 5 30 this morning um got up did a sauna at seven o'clock this morning um did an ice bath like did all that so as much as you are away from the footy club like you're still spending time on you know your recovery and everything like that but talk about balance um it's funny i actually question myself now what the hell was i doing before i was a father in my spare time because (laughs) right now it's like I get home from the footy club um, and I love spending time with my kids and playing with them and trying to get them outdoors as much as possible, you know, that um, because I grew up in Romsey and um, my whole life I was outside. Um, You know, I love my PlayStation. I was great at AFL Live 2007. Like I was a gun. I was a gun. Um, But um, I spent a lot of time kicking the footy outside, loving spending, you know, uh, my house had, at goalposts and, um, you know, we had a cricket net. Like there was a lot of stuff. Like I was on 15 acres. Um, so I tried and spend that time outside with the kids as well because I wanted to give them that exposure that I had um, because I really enjoyed the outdoors. And um, now it's like I get to like 7.30 and <laughs> the kids are in bed. And I'm like, just take a breath. I'm like, oh, all right. Now I can relax for like an hour, hour and a half. And me and my wife, we, you know, we sort of like watching TV shows and we get, you know, we try and watch the same ones because it's a good topic of conversation. Bonding. Um, yeah, it's bonding. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. Like that balance, I think my kids just give me that balance anyway. Um, and it's a little bit of a joke within the footy club because – a lot of guys like play golf and, you know, all this sort of stuff and everyone just reckons that, um, yeah, I just love being a dad. <laughs> like they're just always like, oh, what do you do? Yes, sir. You Daddy labour. You just love being a dad. So <laughs> you just want to spend time with your kids. And I, I do because like nearly every day off I've got swimming lessons um, and Lockie obviously here, um, his daughter also does oh, swimming same lessons. Class. At the, they're not the same class. They're a same, same swim same school. Um, so, yeah, we do swim, swimming lessons on our day off. My son plays. Oh, he's doing like soccer. I saw um, that in your story the other yeah, day. Yeah, so very cute. He's uh, he's loving the soccer at the minute. He can't he can't get the footy at the minute. He can't drop the ball onto his foot. Oh, we'll but get there. we've got a. How old is he? He's only three. Nah, so we'll I, I should give him some. I should give him some uh, credit get to even case. try. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then my daughter does dancing. Uh, my son also does gymnastics. So I'm just trying to, you know, when I get the opportunity because. I've only ever taken my daughter once to dancing and she's probably been 20 times and I've never taken my 
um, I've never taken Jace to gymnastics because it just my schedule doesn't work. So when I get a day off, um, the feeling for me is like now I get to spend time with time with my kids, and it's funny like you know I always go to post career and and think about you know what I want to do and that, and it's almost like my life. Um, I just want to sort of be able to watch my son and daughter do whatever they do. So whether it's Jace, uh, my son, whether I, I get to watch him play footy on a Saturday, like it's almost like I'm thinking of a job that doesn't work on a Saturday. <laughs> I'm like, what can I yeah. do? Or like, you know, watch him at training on Thursday nights. And um, yeah, it's funny. Like I, I always think about that because yeah, in the end, like it's, it's, kind, it's kind of what I, why I play footy. Like um, in my first couple of years uh, when I had, Jay, so he was born in 2020, pure COVID baby. Like literally, he was born in February, and we oh, got locked Jeepers. down in March. So, um, yeah, he sort of only knew me with a mask on um, for his first couple of years. Like, it's amazing, like to be able to tell the, those kids some of these stories. Um, Did he go up with you into the hub? He went up to the hub. So he yep. was three months old when we went up into the hub. Um, slept in a bathroom uh, for That's his <laughs> for, for those. 100 days that we were there but um that's because that was the the quietest room um in our in our place like we were very lucky like it's funny like we you know we're jumping around a bit here but covid and the hub um the hub was the best three months of my life like it was awesome like it's like i was living in maroochydore a walk away from the beach like there's a lot of people that complain about the hub and I totally get it. Like it was tough. Like for some people that didn't have family there and like I was super lucky that my wife and my son got to come up. Um, but like we were a walk away from the beach, one of the like the most beautiful beaches in Maroochydore. Like um, it was absolutely amazing. Cafe there, like 25 degrees every day. If there was a sprinkle of rain, you'd be like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> like Stitcher. It's like, well, everyone's stuck in lockdown here. Um, like I actually felt terrible for people that were here and like my wife's friend, my friends, like it was like, like I couldn't even imagine what was going on back here. So I think for us, like we had so much gratitude to, you know, one, continue to play football and hopefully give people at home something to look forward to on the weekend. But two, like we got to live um not normally because we weren't allowed out of the resort and everything like that. We weren't allowed to go to um restaurants and that the cafe couldn't go down the street like the cafe was you know there um the cafe was there um on the site on the site where where we stayed so they moved the shipping container in one of the cafes down the road and made coffee there for us so yeah like we we had a pretty good um experience in the hub um but yeah again like that's probably where yeah the first two years of um jace's life like he never really got to come to the footy and like looking back now, like I just love where, like this weekend, four thirty-five game, perfect. Jason Scarlett, my my kids can come to the game. Like they'll be in the rooms Prime, after yep. the game. Like that is just perfect. Like do they love it? They, they love, love being it. at the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jace, Jace, um, like he's obviously the oldest. Scarlett doesn't really get it. She just looks for dad and yeah. comes over and um, you know, jumps in in the song when we win um, after the but game. That's awesome and, for you, yeah. though. Oh, for sure, but. Jace, like, I don't think he gets it yet. Um, he doesn't understand why dad goes to footy training every day. Yeah. Like, he, he just always doesn't says understand to me, how big it yeah, is. Yeah, every day he, he sort of says to me, oh, have fun at training, um, where it's not like have fun at work. Like, he gets that, you know, pop, you know, Jess's dad, he, he goes to work, nanny goes to work, 
mum obviously my Jess doesn't work but she's a teacher um so it's always like go to work but dad goes to training he's sort of like every now and then he you can see that he's confused why I go to footy training all the time um but yeah like as as you said like it's amazing to be able to see them after the game because whether I've played shocking we've lost whatever it is it's like as soon as I see them it's like everything's okay. it, it's just like you put into perspective of of what um you're actually doing as much as I love winning and I'm competitive. Like once I see them, it's almost like I've forgotten everything. And um, yeah, it, it's, it is a pretty good lifestyle that we live, but um, at the same time, it's bloody hard sometimes. And um, they definitely, it's funny. Like you talk about how much I love my family, but they do take a backseat at times. Like, and that's why, you know, my wife and I, like I can never, not repay because you don't really repay. Like I don't really believe in that, but the gratitude that I have, especially for my wife to be able to let me do what I almost do what I want. Like whenever it's something to do with footy, it's never a complaint. It's like, you know, I want to go and spend an hour at the float tank in Mornington. It's never like, Oh God, you just got home from training for seven hours. Like it's like everything is just, yep, that's fine. Yep. That's fine. Like to be the best I can be. Um, and that's why, I think that um, I've had a successful career so far because in the end, the people that are around you, like if you're, if you're worried about, you know, doing extras or worrying about, you know, <laughs> spending a lot of money on a sauna and an ice bath, like it ends up being um, too hard and you start overthinking things. So um, yeah, I know my kids can't really tell me no anymore. <laughs> I know yet. So like they can't say to me, no dad, we want you to stay here. But um, I'm sure in the future, like they'll get that um, the only way that you're going to get anywhere realistically is if you work hard and you do all the extras and there's a football program at our footy club. But if you just do the football program, you probably won't get anywhere realistically. Yeah. Like you've got to be, you've got to do way more than the program to become Clayton Oliver at our footy club. Like uh, we finished two hours ago. He's probably still there doing something at the footy club. He's just a freak. Christian, Christian Petrarca, the same thing. It's like he's almost got to go and like actually spend time away from the footy club because he just loves it. And, you know, all the great players are the exact same. And, you know, there's a number of examples of, um, especially NBA, you think of Kobe, all the stories about him, about, you know, what was it? It was like, I'll meet you there at four. You know, you like, only like yeah. slept four hours a night or something? Yeah, it's like crazy. And now all it is is about oh, get sleep, get more sleep, get more sleep, get more sleep. But it's like, it's funny. Like the blokes that actually get up early are probably the most successful They're ones. Winning. So it's, it's funny. Like it is definitely a balancing act. But um, yeah, I just love playing footy for my family, um, especially and to see their face after the game. Let's talk about Jess. Yep. How did you meet her? Jess, I met her, um, so I finished school, so I was born in the first four months of the year, I was born in March, so I started school early, um, and after my bottom age football year, um, there was a fair chance that I was going to get drafted, um, and to be honest, I didn't really know what I was going to do after footy, um, after school, sorry, Um, so I just did a, um, it was called an AFL Sports Ready um, traineeship and what you do is basically like how I explained it was I was an assistant PE teacher so if you're the PE teacher I'd be you know I'd go set up the cones or 
organise what the lesson's going to be and what class and everything. And I did it at uh, Mount Ridley College in Craigieburn, which happened to be right across the road from Calder Cannons. Um, which Is that Cold, where you were playing? Which Calder Cannons I was playing. Yep. So um, I actually did my knee that year, but I still went to training every night because it was there and I had my licence and everything. I did my rehab the whole time that I was in um, at Calder. So basically I'd go from work straight to training, home um and then yeah so basically um jess was a teacher at mount ridley college and that's how we met and um yeah we would have met in probably march um and then yeah got drafted in november and then uh she came over with me to adelaide um so big move for her yeah um yeah massive move for her really how long were you together before she moved so i was like nah 10 months yep yeah nine months um yeah, so it was obviously a big decision to come over, but um, yeah, we sort of saw, um, yeah, I wasn't really a footballer before, you know, it's funny, like you think to yourself, oh, it's not long and everything, but, you know, I knew Jess didn't really, she didn't really love me for being a footballer, like she didn't even know at the start when we met, like it was, I'm sort of a person that I wasn't boasting too much about it and yeah. Um, I was just a kid that worked there and, um, yeah, she was like first year out of uni. So she would have been, yeah, 22, 23. Um, and yeah, we just met through there and uh, end up being together and then moving to Adelaide. Like, I'm so glad she came over with me because it would have been really hard. Um, yeah, just moving over by yourself. And I have a lot of sympathy for kids that do that now. So, well, that was going to be my next question. Like you what picked 14 or so. Yep. Moving to Adelaide, like, did you move in with, in with anyone or was it just you and Jess? So I was actually with Paddy Dangerfield for the yep. first month, um, lived with him and his wife, uh, Marty. Um, they've got three kids now, I think. So yeah. And uh, Jake Kelly, um, who plays for Essendon now, who was also at Adelaide. He lived with uh, Paddy. So um, I moved in with them for a month. and um, Was Jess with you? No. So yep. Jess was still – so the transition period, it was basically – I think the draft was on like the 25th of November. And so between the 25th and Christmas, it would have been a month. Um, yep. I just stayed with Paddy because um, I think, you know, we still do it now. And it's funny because because I learned so much from Danger and Jay Kelly especially about, you know, how to live. Um, because you, you're just an 18-year-old kid being at school. Like you sort of get told what to do, whereas now it's like you're – you're an adult and you get thrown in the deep end of like being at meetings on time, um, eating the right things, trying to cook. Like, so, you know, danger and, um, and Marty obviously did a lot of that for me, but, um, even to be able to just learn from them, like it was pretty amazing. It's funny. Like now I always put my hand up to have like a draftee kid. Like I've had, uh, James Jordan live with me, um, Trent Rivers and Blake Howes. So they're my three little kids. Um, little sons as I call them at the club so um yeah it's funny like to be able to just learn from them um or a guy like Paddy who was you know then best player in the competition and you know still on his day he's the best player in the competition so um yeah that was pretty amazing but yeah then Jess moved over with me and um it was tough because like we just moved straight out Jess hadn't lived out of home I hadn't lived out of home so we get thrown into the deep end it's like every night oh crap what are we having for dinner <laughs> like what are we cooking you and don't like, even think about it eh? yeah no nah. and and like you know it wasn't like i could just go out and eat whatever i wanted like it was like you know you have to be a professional athlete at the same time and jess got a job as well she was a teacher over in adelaide um at black fries which was sort of about 
30 minutes away from our house. So, you know, like it was, yeah, it was, it wasn't, you know, I'm not saying it was tough and we were living, you know, paycheck to paycheck or anything like that, but it was like, you just had to learn and you sort of just got thrown straight. You're learning the on the job. End. Yeah. And, and also like, I'm then trying to prove myself at the footy club on, you know, why did we take this kid? We pick 14. Like I wanted to play straight away and, um, yeah, it, it was um, it was a tough transition period, but like I played pretty early. Like I, I've sort of my career, I was pretty lucky that there was actually no one in that position at Adelaide. Whereas I look at some of the kids now that come into Melbourne, and I'm like, oh man, that guy's not like he's not going to play. He's a good for like, player, but he's, he's not going to play for like four. Who's years. he kicking out? Like it's like I even think about like you know a player and don't want to embarrass him, but like Blake Howes, like. Blake Howes is an absolute gun. Like a, f- like he's going to be such a good player, but like for three years now he hasn't played. But it's like whose spot is he taking? Like we've got one of the best midfielders in you know in the competition. Like we've got Track, Clary, uh, Jack Viney, Tom Sparrow, James Jordan, like Luke Dunstan's still a great player. Like all these guys, and it's like it's really hard, and that that. And that's why you always talk about good clubs always lose those younger players. And we saw it with like guys like Rich, you know, from Richmond, um, even Geelong when they were up and going Hawthorne. Like it's actually hard to keep those players because they're looking at, you know, I think um, Blake House's best mate is Finn Callahan, who plays at GWS. He's looking at him going, he's playing every week, but he might be a similar or, you know, better player than him so he's like sitting there going like why aren't I playing but it's it's funny it's, like it's just where your club's at which positions are filled properly so well it's yeah. a credit to the club and the culture there to be able to retain yeah. a player like that that's not getting a gig he just wants to stay around and try oh, and crack in absolutely and I think that we really value those players like especially in the VFL program like yeah they, they get a lot of pump ups and um, I think it's important that players like I used to think to myself um, you know, when I was at Adelaide, if there was a player similar to me playing in the sandfall and he played well, like I'd always be like, oh, shit. oh God, like he's coming for me here. But um, yeah, now I just love like teaching young guys in our footy club, like whether it's Daniel Turner, um, who, you know, he played on the weekend, but um, you know, I used to be almost like worried about him playing well, but whereas now, like, I just think I get so much out of actually helping him and coaching him. And then, as you said, like, then they want to stay around. Then they don't want to leave. And then in three years' time when, you know, Stephen Mays, he's 31 now, when he's 34 and he can't go on anymore, like, we need Daniel Turner and I need him to be able to play well. So it's funny, like, how, it, you know, a, a perfect example is Harry Petty. Harry Petty got to the club same year as me. And when I first got there, I was a bit like oh, man, this kid's good. Like, he could take my spot. Me versus him. Where it's like, now it's like, I love that guy. Like, he's like, I want to play with him every week and he helps me so much. So it's like, yeah, it's funny how um, just through your career, like your perspective changes on on what's important and um, how much help you can give those younger guys that look up to you um, without you really knowing it. Like, you know, I guess I know that I'm a leader of the club, but like, Disco Daniel Turner, he's probably watching me what I do every day to be able to then emulate that and then hopefully that transitions to on field. So yeah, it's funny that how much senior players help the younger players and then therefore like they want to stay around. Take us back to living with Danger. What was the biggest takeaway or learning that you took from living with him as a young guy? Yeah, so um, that you've then perhaps imparted onto the young guys at Melbourne? 
I think just like um, he he had a great balance between off field and on field, and whether he was at training or at home. But um, I was actually living with the, with danger at the time that um, he was trying to lose like eight kilos. And, like, for me, being a young, skinny, scrawny kid, like, I just didn't get it. Like, I was just, like, worried about, like, the side of him. Like, he's massive, man. And, like, he's fit as and he's powerful. And I'm, like, what's he need to lose eight kilos? And then when he did, you could see what happened. And I think from then on, I was, like, if there is something that you want to do and you work hard at it and, therefore, like, you achieve it, like, actually what it can do for you. Like, so I think of my own game, like this year, like I'm, I'm pretty naturally, luckily, pretty naturally like long distance fit. Like, you know, I think this year I've only ever come off to the bench once. Like I'm pretty lucky that I like a sort of, I can play out the game and I'm fine. But the one thing that I'm not great at is like my agility and my speed sort of like, that's not my go. And I just wanted to work on that the whole off season. And if I reflect back on it, it's probably what danger, like that lesson is like, if you just work so hard at it, because I worked so hard at it, like throughout the whole off season, it was almost like my motivation was like, that's what I want to be good at. And then like you get back and you start training, you start doing match play and then you do these other things and you're like, I think it's actually working. And then people start saying to you, like, oh, my God, like, wow. like Moving well. You're moving well. Like, you look more, like, agile. And you're like, wow, like, it's funny. Like, the lesson is that you work hard at that and you have a clear focus every single day of, like, what you want to achieve and what you want to do. Um, and then when it finally comes out, that satisfaction is like, oh, how good is Nothing that? Nothing better, like, eh? It's like, how good is that? Like, I, don't know, I could imagine it'd be, like, in the gym, I'm pretty lucky that I don't, at, at the footy club, we don't, we're not, saying that oh you have to deadlift 200 otherwise you're not playing mm. but i could see that like in the gym it's like you continue to get better at it and like the kilos keep going up and you know bench press 100 and it's like the satisfaction yeah. is like yeah it's like what's next yeah. yeah there's nothing more motivating than actual measured objective yeah. progress and definitely. growth definitely so um there's a lot of talk about how melbourne's like yeah it's the big footy capital and a lot of players want to get away you were in south australia which is a huge footy capital as well. I have a theory. I reckon it's arguably a bigger, more intense energy because they've only got their two clubs that are like so beloved. You've lived in both Melbourne and Adelaide. What's your opinion on that? Was that a more intense energy being over there or was it a bit different? Oh, no. Way more intense. Yep. It's funny. Like, as you said, it's um, people talk about Melbourne being the footy capital, which I think it is because there's so many teams and it's so many more games and we get the grand final and everything like that. But... In Adelaide, like, as a small story, like, uh, like I walked into Westlake Shopping Centre like four days after I got drafted. I had to go and get something, and like, I got asked for a photo, and it's like, it like I haven't even played a game yet. First round draft picks here, unless you're like number one, you know, someone like Nick Dacos, like Mm. before he played, like he might get a photo, but it's like I was nobody, and you know, like first round pick, like you obviously. They, they want good things out of you. But, like, it's like, yeah, there was, like, people saying hello to me in Westlake's, like, four days after I got drafted. I was like, man, what is this? Like, and that was generally somewhere where, like, you'd go out and it's like you'd have to try and hide in the corner um, because otherwise, like, and, like, I'm talking, like, it wasn't like I was 
you know, top five players in the comp where, you know, I think of someone like Max Gorn. Like, Gorn, if he goes out, like, I actually feel bad for him sometimes. Yep. Like, because he's big, he's got a beard, I'll everyone knows like who he is. Yeah, yeah. So, like, everyone knows who he is and um, and he gets hassled a lot. But, yeah, Adelaide was like that everywhere for every player on the list. Like, it was crazy. Like, it was... Um, it's definitely much more intense. And then, obviously, the year that I left, like... Um, I was out of contract and I hadn't signed and like, yeah, there was rumors of me going back to Melbourne. And it was like, talk about intense. Like that was, yeah. yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about booing at the moment when you moved, like it was at 2018, you moved yep. to Melbourne. Did you cop any of that when you went back to Adelaide and do you still cop it now? Yeah. Yeah. Cop, cop the booze, but it, I think it makes me play better. So yeah. <laughs> um, Did it get to you at all? Nah, I don't think so. No, no, no. My first game against Adelaide was actually in Alice Springs. So, okay. lucky enough, it wasn't back at Adelaide yep. Oval. But then I did eventually go back to Adelaide Oval. Um, I think I I love playing at Adelaide Oval. So, um, I think the boos are justified then, which I don't Absolutely. mind. Like, yeah. I, I'm fine with, like, if a player leaves your footy club mm. and then, therefore, you know, they come back. Like, That's part of footy. Yes. But... I think, yeah, the topic of conversation would be like the Lance Franklin one, the Jason Horn Francis, like that one. It's just like, it's almost like people just don't l- like getting told what to do. So I oh, don't boo them. It's a rebellion. Like, yeah, like, oh, you can't tell me what to do kind of thing. Whereas I think just for myself, it's like, that's just silly. Like, yeah. for, you're booing Lance Franklin. Like, he's honestly, like, I still walk past Buddy Franklin when I'm on the field and I'm like, this, guy, this is sick. This is sick. Like, a, like we had a player this year, uh, Judd McVee, um, absolute gun, nineteen-year-old. If you had told me that he'd be playing this year, last year when he was playing, like I would have laughed at you. Like he has come so far in so little. Um, whereas now, like he's like a genuine fixture in our team. Like he's a gun, and he's a boy from Geraldton in Perth, and we were playing Sydney this year, and Stephen May was playing on Buddy. And he's sort of like he's and, and Juddy's coming back. He's walking back, and you could see Judd like look. He's like looking at thing, and he like looks down. And he like looks at him again. And Maisie's like, "Yes, Judd, that's Buddy Franklin. Now go and go and stand on that guy." Like so, it's it's funny. Like it's like those guys are like champions of the game, and like Jason Horn France is an absolute gun. So for me, it's like. Unless it's North Melbourne booing him, like I think mm. that everyone else, it's like, oh, I don't even know what you're achieving there. Like, um, it probably play like I think every time Horn France has been booed, he's been best on ground, like the same oh, kill one, like he's dominated. So it's like, it's not really working for those guys. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely get the ones where you, your players left the team or, you know, an incident happens in a game where someone cleans someone up and then you boo them for the rest, for the rest of the game. game. That's yeah. fine. That's yeah. part of footy. But when it's just genuinely, like, I, I week think... Week in, of, week out. Yeah, I think of Adam Goods. Like, he was my favourite. I was a Sydney fan growing up and he was by far my favourite player. And, like, right at the end of his career when he was getting booed He's every getting week, hammered, like, it was like, yeah, I just look at that and go, like, this... Yeah, especially even with, like, you think about like mental health and and everything like that these days. Um, I think like you just don't want, like that's just not necessary, especially every week for a champion of the game, two-time Brownlow medalist, like number of all Australian, I think he was all Australian in every position or something. He was like ruck forward, back, like an absolute gun. So like, yeah, for me, I don't really see why people boo. But Yeah, it's yeah. pretty fascinating to me that, as you said, the ones are the first to cry mental health. They're probably the first to uh, boo yeah, a champion. Yes. yes. Um, last thing on the Adelaide chapter before we move on. Um, 
grand final, like a lot of people say, a grand final loss, you never quite think, uh, you never quite um, forget about it. It's always in the back of your mind. Since you've had the success in 2021, do you still think about it or have you pretty quickly moved on? Um, I, know, I still think of it um, because I would have loved to win the grand, won the grand final as my last game for Adelaide because I still loved my time at the Adelaide Footy Club. Um, you know, people always ask me, oh, do you still, you know, you hate text, don't you? Whereas like text is actually at the time, I think like there was things said that he probably regrets. Um, I probably regret not telling anyone or how it got out that I was leaving. Um, but now like text, you know, he's got th- three kids as well. Like I've got two, he's got three. We always talk about, you know, on Instagram about kids, whether it's photo of it or whatever it is. And out in the field, like we always have a joke, like out there, like we will play on each other for like five minutes and, um, you know, I'll tell him that I'll beat him like I used to at training. He'll be like, you know, oh, mate, I always used to beat you at training. So, like, things like that, it's fine. But, um, yeah, like, I would have loved to win a grand final um, for Adelaide as my last game. And, um, God, in the first quarter, it was definitely looking like that. And I was a Tigers uh, fan. Was, yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was looking scary it was, when Eddie Betts kicked that second goal. Yeah. I was like, fuck, here we go. Yeah. And then, to Richmond's credit, what a great side they are. And, um I had probably one of the worst days. I had to play on Jacob Townsend. Um, and he pinched me and punched me for like three hours. And I was like, man, Mungle. this guy is just an absolute weapon and will do whatever it takes to win a football game. And like, um, he played on me a few more times when I played Richmond. And like, I've got so much respect for him because he was just a genuine, like, yeah, just loved winning and would do anything for the team. And he, he it's almost like I hated playing against him, but. Man, I wish he were on my like. If yeah. he was on my team, I'd absolutely love him. So, um, yeah. In the end, we lost, and um, yeah. And then it, all of a sudden, it's like then it comes out that I'm leaving, and um, people are heated, and it's like, yeah. There's I'm assuming that you know, there's things that were said that people would regret, but in the end, um, it is what it is. I moved on, as you said. Like I end up getting success at Melbourne, and. Um, I'm telling you right now, halfway through the third quarter, I thought it was happening again to me that I was going to lose another grand final. I was like, gee, zero from two, that's not good. Um, how am I going to come back? And then I didn't have to do anything for 45 minutes and it was great. Um, but yeah, like, as as you said, like, um, yeah, my time in Adelaide, I absolutely loved and I would have loved to win a grand final. And um, every now and then I do think about it. Like, yeah, you do, like the first thing in my mind about grand finals, it, I won one, but at the same time, like, I think that, yeah, losing one definitely motivated me more and I knew that, um, I just guess now I think to myself that I know that I, you can come back from loss and then, you know, get more motivation and win. So, um, yeah, I love my time in Adelaide and, um, yeah, first first year I left Adelaide, I, I watched every week hoping they'd lose, but now, like, I actually love the way they play and obviously Darren Burgess is there who... I still talk to a lot. Um, he was such a pivotal part of um, what we achieved uh, for Melbourne. And, you know, we've got a great replacement now. But, um, yeah, when he left, you know, I think all the boys were pretty shattered. But um, you could see, like, the way that they play, it's a great way to play. And, you know, Tex is obviously playing good footy. And then they've got, like, some new additions. So, um, yeah, I don't hope they lose every week now. I just like yeah, watching them play. And, um, yeah, I think it's better like that. Who are some other of the Jacob Townsend players that you look at and you think, shit, I'd love him on my team? Bruzzy, Bruzzy Maynard, Braden Maynard from Collingwood. Um, we were actually talking about this in the gym the other day. Um, the 
replay of Sydney Collingwood who was on and it just seems like every time there's an argument, he's always first there. I don't know if he sniffs it out or he's, yeah. he's the instigator, but um, he's someone that just, yeah, like you'd love to be able to play with him. and Go to war with him. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like the, it's just those role players that, um, you know, he's he's a great player. He's an All-Australian player, but like they just, you know that everything they do is revolved around the team um, and they're the guys that you love playing with and, um, you've got so much respect for, and I think it's funny. Like you, that's why you see a lot of um, like best and fairest winners. You're like, oh wow, like he won the best and fairest. Like I think of um, like Jaden Short, like Jaden Short winning best and fairest for Richmond, like the premiership year. It's like it's like you get it. He's a good player, but it's like the he's probably doing things that the footy club loves so much that then he doesn't really get the recognition, you know, externally that say. I don't know, someone like Dylan Grimes would. Like, yeah. captain, All-Australian player, like, he, he gets a lot of credit because, um, you know, the media focus in on him, but Jaden Short might be doing his role every week and then he wins the best and fairest. Like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Like, but, Do you reckon that amounts a case that club BNFs are substantially more important than any uh, AFL award? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the Brownlow... Brownlow's a midfield award. I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> far out. Agreed. Let's get a let's get a forward or a back to win it. We need um, a defender award. Yeah, mate. yeah. <laughs> the defender award used to be Spud Frawley's uh, Golden Fist. Everyone used to fire up about that. But um, yeah, I think uh, yeah that or the coaches' votes. Like the mm. b- club best and fairest is obviously super, um, and it just depends how the club do it. Like sometimes the club do it weirdly where like you could get like a hundred votes a game and it's like man where are these votes coming yeah. from whereas um i think we do it well i think we get like f- a maximum of 40 a game and it's like each line coach votes um so you could get 40 out of 40 or you could get you know 10 if you played no good so um i think that's a good way but the coaches votes association award is like they're the ones that like they watch the game live then they rewatch it and then they vote. So it's like they know what they're talking about. They know what they're talking about. So I'm assuming, like, and you always see, like, it does have a little bit of a correlation towards club BNFs or Brownlows or all Australians and that. But yeah, I think that's probably one of the most, um, yeah, important awards because those coaches do watch footy hard. You've moved back to Melbourne. A lot of like the media it talks about. Um, the fun-loving and inclusive nature that successful clubs embrace, and it was talked about with Melbourne and Richmond. Was that the case the whole time? And it's only like magnified and highlighted and talked about when you're actually successful? Or was there a clear shift in culture pre-premiership and then leading into the premiership? Uh, yeah, good question. I think 2018 when I first got to Melbourne, so I did my knee in like around 11, so I didn't play the back half of the year and then in the finals, but... I think in 2018, we were so immature. Like, we had so many guys that were, like, I think, like, I was 21. I might have been 22. And, like, you look at outside now, there's a lot of guys around the same age. So you think to yourself, that's five years before that. Like, there's a lot of 22-year-olds, 23, 24, don't really know what they're doing in terms of in big moments, big games. We just sort of got on a bit of a roll. Um and then you talk about the culture. Like in 2019, I think we won like four games. Like it was a horrific year for the footy club. Like we just 
we'd lose every game by like 25 points. It was like every week. It's like, oh yeah, we lost by 25 points every week. But it's like, it doesn't matter if it was the 17th ranked team or the first, like we'd win, we'd lose by 25 points. It was like, we couldn't get past this, you know, mental barrier. But um, culturally, I think the shift really happened after the hub in 2020. And I think that that definitely helped us that the hub, because we got to know each other and we got to know each other's families and, um, yeah, you could see why blokes were playing footy, whether it was for their partner, whether it was for their family, whether it was for the kids, um, whether they just absolutely love footy. I think that's where it comes from in terms of, you see a lot of clubs trying to do it now, like your deeper why you do things. Um, and from then on, um, I know Max has spoken about it a bit, but footy clubs are great for banter, but sometimes that banter, um, I almost call it like professional banter, which you shouldn't really go into, which is if you're trying to deadlift and you've got, I don't know, crap form, and I just keep telling you, oh, look at his form, look at his form, like that's not really like rather than like, I don't know, like, oh my God, how bad are your shoes that you're wearing today? Like, that's yeah. fine. And it's funny, like the 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 contrast in banter that we had at the footy club, there was a lot of professional banter. And I know Max has spoken about it a lot, but um, there was one example that I was a part of that it would be like, um, you know, I might've taken 10 intercept marks in a game, which is like, I think the record is 10. Like, it's like Jake's walked off. He's like, wow, geez, I've played well today. And then like, someone's like, oh, wow, you played so good today, 10 intercept marks, but oh, you didn't even play on anyone. Like, that's that's where it sort of went to. And that's a natural thing for, you know, football clubs because it is like competitive environment, but it's also like the greatest part of a footy club, that banter. And that's what you, I think a lot of people miss when they leave. But it's it's actually sort of it's almost like death by a thousand cuts like it might be once it's like oh yeah that hurts and then it's like and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse and that's and until like that person actually then thinks to themselves oh maybe like they're right maybe do I suck like do I actually am I actually not playing on anyone or you know this this and this and it's like it's funny that um just having one of those conversations a guy <laughs> Like, I don't even know if you would know him, but his name was Aaron Vandenberg. And he was the one person that brought it up when everyone sort of was a bit like blase about it. Everyone was like, if you, when he said it, everyone was like, wow, this guy's right. Like, what did he actually say? So he just got up. It's got to stop or? Well, yeah, he's just like, uh, we sort of have a cultural day every year. um, And we had it at the um, Settlers Run Golf Day. Um, and we just play golf and then we do a little bit of a cultural thing that what what this year looks like and what we want to look at, uh, what we want the year to look like. And he just got up and he was just like, you know, this is one thing that I've noticed from the footy club. Um, and I think that, you know, the guys that um, get it the most are pretty strong pe- people, but you can see that ty- at times it does affect them. And and I'm, I'm a bit like that. I, I'm pretty thick skinned like I love the banter of it I I give out as much as I get but um, I think then when it starts to become actually what you're working on and what you want to be as a footballer like it actually does hurt a lot like it might be a midfielder where you're like oh man you got 35 touches but so did your man you're playing what you didn't defend all day win a hardball it's like win a hardball like it's like things like that so it's like it's that um, yeah it's just like the the professional banter that you don't really want to be hearing all the time because 
in the end, like you're there to do a job and you're there to try and get better. And if someone's taking the piss out of you, what you're trying mm. to work on, then like you've got no motivation and then you've got no confidence and then you can't play well. So that was a big shift in our in our culture. And so that was just to put a stop to that. That was entirely. just to put a stop. And, yep. and and you know what? It still happens now, but it, at least you've got it in the back of your mind. Like mm. you might say something and then you just like instantly, like Gorney talks about it all the time. Like he's an amazing leader, amazing captain talks about it all the time like he'll say something and then like you know i'm one of his you know best mates and i'll just look at him and go that was it watch yourself that was it (laughs) and he's like oh yep yep and then like it's like it's just actually holding people account uh, accountable and um ever since then you can see that like whether it still happens and then it's like ah okay then it just gets reined back in and it's like there's a difference between banter in terms of like telling a midfielder, he needs to defend better in a jokingly way when you're walking past him in the corridor in front of everyone to embarrass him or you actually go to him and be like, mate, like, as a team, we need you to defend better. We need you to do this. Like, one-on-one in a chat, and it's like, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as I said, like, the banter about, like, his haircut. Like, surely you didn't pay for that haircut, mate. Like, that's a horrific haircut. What have you done? Um, like, there's that difference. Like, it's like... He's not really worried about his haircut. Like I walk into the footy club, I've got a haircut and someone says to me, surely you didn't pay for that. Like that, I'm not worried about that because I'm not worried about, I'm not a hair stylist or you know, something like that. So yeah, that was a big cultural shift and um, it's literally been one of the best things um, for our footy club. But at the same time, another thing that was culturally shifted that year was Mark Williams came into our footy club and what year did he come sorry 2020? so 2021 so him, yep. him uh, Burjo came 2020 and then uh, Choco came 2021 and I remember I remember um, we talk about like role players all the time and being a great role player and sort of a, as your footy career goes on you go oh, I just want to be a role player like that's what people value I want to be a role player but it's like to be a great team, yes, you need role players, but they actually need to be great at that role. So Choco um, Choco comes in and is like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, yeah, you want to be a great role player. So for, for me, like I want to be the best teammate possible was probably for two years one of my things that um, I want teammates to say like, oh, oh, like he's getting picked first every week. Like that was something that I wanted and oh, he's a great role player and he plays his role well, but when Choco come in, basically what my then thing was, was no, 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 like be a great player. So I changed my, you know, my motto or my, um, tr- trying to think of what we called it, like development plan, like the thing that over um, was on top of everything was I want to be the best intercept player in the competition. So like your mindset instantly changes to, I'm just going to role play and just punch the ball out of bounds. No, no, no. Like I've got the capabilities of to be the best intercept player in the competition. So why don't I like try and achieve that? And like I was lucky enough in the first year that I did. And when I do start to struggle, that is the one thing that I come back to. It's like, well, that's what I know that I can achieve. So hopefully that I can do it. Um, But yeah, it's funny that like that two, those two little things just shift the culture and then everyone starts to buy into it. And then it's like, it's funny, like it's, it takes 21 days to create a habit or whatever. And that's what it was like. It was like, it was like three weeks of culturally changing that language and then 
mindset around being great at everything that you do and then it's like instantly it's like you could see the training standard like go through the roof yeah people being competitive with spots and then it's like wow like i need to outperform this guy and then it's like you just keep getting better and better and then in the end like we end up winning the premiership and i think that those two were like very clear reasons why what sort of changes did you implement to become the best inset player in the game like what like aside from mindset and shifting that language around success like were there any other changes that you made Oh, I think like you can say that and as I spoke to you before, like I could probably sit as the spare defender and we play seven defenders and I could just sit there all day and try and mark the ball and but you actually look at like at your best, like what do you do? So for me, like at my best, when I'm playing on someone and I just read the ball quicker than them, that's when I intercept. Whereas when I'm actually the spare, I'm actually just sort of standing there like I don't know what to do, like I'm not uh, it's like oh Jesus what's happening so actually I actually looked at what uh, when I'm at my best what do I what am I doing and what is my patterns what is my mindset what is um, you know little things like what does my footwork look like what does my posture look like like things like that so it's like in moments uh, because there is moments in games where it's just in flow and it's like oh man like geez I've just had five intercept marks in like one quarter like and I've just like I haven't even thought about it but there is moments in games where you're like oh whoa, what am I doing um geez I'm just standing here oh no the ball's up and then it's like in those moments like I try and go back to what do I look like at my best and it's like it's a little flick of a switch and I think that's why you do so much mindfulness because that's what it yeah. basically is it's like being able to identify the moment that you've switched off and then whether it's come back to your breath, whether it's come back to what you do, it, the, your best, whether it's come back to the feeling of your feet on the on the ground in that moment. Like I just tried to do that all the time and um, that was definitely one thing that I focused in on. And then just, yeah, as you said, my mindset. Like I always used to get worried about getting beaten. Like um, whether it's a one-on-one or like I'd always be like, oh, geez, I just hope I don't lose this right yeah you see it's an opportunity to fail rather than to succeed yeah yeah so it's like oh god i hope i don't get beaten here and then it's like then you get beaten then you're like why was i thinking (laughs) like that um and it's funny like the longer that my career's gone on um i just appreciate so much more playing um the day like game day everyone always used to say game day is the best day and to be totally honest i did not agree with them because I used to be so nervous about stuffing up, whether that's not playing well, whether that's making one mistake in a footy game of 120 minutes. I'm telling you, I'm making at least 10. And and if I make 10 mistakes, I've probably been best on ground. Like, it's like, that's how many mistakes are in a game these days. Like, what, what you're doing, whether it's you ran the wrong way or you missed the flight of the ball or, like, you've missed a handball. Like, it's like, it's amazing how many mistakes are in a game. But... Like I used to, there was some games where like you just loved playing. Like when I was at Adelaide, like I used to love playing in the showdown. Like it's like, I I can't wait to play today. But there's other games where I literally thought to myself, I'd rather fast forward the next three hours and just hope that I played good. Like got a standard game. Like I'd want to fast forward. Like on your AFL 2007, just simulate it. Just simulate it (laughs) and be like, Oh yeah, he played all right today. Like that's sometimes what I'd rather because I used to get so worked up about making a mistake mm-hmm. and not playing well. And like he, that's, I guess that's 
like performance anxiety basically which I've never really thought about that I had but you know reflecting on those times it's like that's exactly what I had like it's like I'd just rather just like right now it's like you know if I was playing Hawthorne this week I'd get to Saturday morning and be like if I could close my eyes right now and just fast forward 10 hours and it's at the end of the game I'm driving home and I've just played okay I'll do that right now whereas now like I just what, love playing and rather than just fail yeah yeah and but now like I just love playing so Good. it's like Saturday's like my favorite day and like I think you do have to work yourself up into that moment because you're always going to have anxiety like I get nervous before every game like People who don't get nervous, like Clayton Oliver, Track, Vines, they never get nervous before games. Like, I speak to them, they're like, no, I'm not nervous. It's like, I get nervous. It doesn't matter if I'm playing the worst team or the best team or round six at, you know, Tasmania Stadium against Hawthorne or, like, the grand final. Like, so I'm the same nervousness. Like, it's amazing that, like, I just haven't ever been able to shake that. But um, I think it just shows that like I just love playing footy so much and I care about the result but at the same time it's like you've actually just got to let go and be like because in the end that's how I play my best and it's how everyone plays their best is letting go and actually just playing football because you're good at it like you've trained so much for it so um yeah, it's definitely something that I've been trying to work yeah. on. Yeah, it shows you how powerful of a tool like visualization and imagining what winning looks like is. Definitely. You touched on mindset. Like, what sort of things did you implement to help you sort of get over that hump? Like, are you, are you a journaler? Do you do some breath work, meditation? Like- yeah, so I'm meditation every day. Um, a lot of it's around my breath. Um, a lot of it's just, yeah, like probably 10 minutes in the morning. Um, we have scheduled times at the footy club that a group of probably, I think it's about eight of us do meditation every morning. So, um, and it's great because a lot of people talk about it, but then it's like, you've actually got to implement it in the schedule and give times for, um, you know, blokes to do it because otherwise they won't do it. Like realistically, it's like you say, do your meditation, but there's no time between eight and four to do it in our schedule. Then blokes are like, well, it's obviously not that important to us. Mm. So, Actually then, and then, you know, reflecting on actually how you feel in those times. Like I know that when I do meditation at night, so I try and, you know, talk about the 7.30, like I'm sort of going through a period now where I've got a, I've got the sauna, so I I go out into the sauna and that's my meditation. Like I do my breathing and that in there, but there was a time where I was doing meditation at like 7.30 at night and then my sleep was phenomenal. Like it was amazing. Like I just do 10 minutes and I'd almost fall asleep in it. But then like I noticed that my sleep was amazing. And then when you don't sleep well, it's like, okay, what actually helped me sleep well? So like I do uh, a lot of meditation, breathing, um, visualization I do. Um, I try and probably more before the game, um, again, there's a 10-minute mindfulness um, practice that we do before the game, about two hours before, and our psychologist who runs our um, meditation mindfulness stuff, uh, yeah, he basically goes through a visualisation of when you're at your best, um, what does it look like, and then obviously see yourself today, you know, and like for instance this week, like I'll picture myself against Hawthorne, like whoever I'm going to play on, it's like might be me taking a hanger on him or bodying him out and marking the ball or me doing a good kick. Like, it's actually, like, really helpful. Like, yeah, it's very powerful. So they're some of the things that I've um, I've tried to implement. And then I think the third one is just probably just getting away from the game as well um, and sort of um, – I actually delete Instagram. 
I actually delete Instagram two days before the game, sort of 48 hours. I try and like, it's just a bit of a buffer for me yeah. um, because my feed is full of footy stuff. Um, my do, you, feed, do you follow like footy pages or anything? Yeah, footy pages, yeah. Okay. yeah like AFL, 7 AFL um, because I am a footy head. Like I love knowing, you know, what I don't know, Port Adelaide have done or have they won, who's played well. Like I do enjoy that, but I don't think that I need to like watch footy and then go on my phone and then it's on footy and then I'm thinking about my game and then it's like, so Instagram, like just deleting the app like 48 hours before is something that I really um, have done all this year and it's actually like I do go into the games more like fresh and open-minded and um, so it's just a little thing like that. Um yeah, but I think just getting away from the game is probably that third pillar that I, I try and do and like, yeah, getting off my phone because I believe that a lot of the things or habits that I have away from my phone are good. Like nearly everything that I do away from my phone is good. So sometimes like your phone, you need your phone because I think I'd be stressed without it as well. Like I... You know, for instance, when I go away, it's not like I can just throw my phone away for three days and like, because I'd be thinking, Shit, how's Jace? How's Scarlett? Yeah. How's Jess? Like, it's like it's natural. Like, oh, I can't, they can't contact me, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, actually, when I'm at home, being present, um, because yeah, it's funny, like, we have like group chats um, from the footy club, and then like, there's things you have to do on your phone. Like, we do our HRV every morning, our wellness. So it's like just being on your phone, like you might think that you're away from footy, but you like you get a message from Demons 2023 and then you're like thinking about footy. But it's like if you actually just, you know, I try and put my phone on charge, um, spend time with the kids. And then when I'm actually doing something, like just putting my phone, like leave my phone in the car when I'm, you know, down at the skate park with the kids, scooter park with Jace, um, something like that. Like just actually just leave my phone in the car rather than then just sitting on Instagram and be like, oh, good work, buddy, and head back down. Like I just try and be present because, um, yeah, as much as I get to spend a lot of time with them compared to people that probably work nine to five, um, I just think that like the time that I've got with him right now is before they go to school and everything like that is pretty it's precious. precious yeah. So um, that they're probably the three things that I – definitely try and do was the move to the peninsula a part of that trying to get away from footy as well yeah yeah um so yeah i lived in q um with jess we bought a house in q when i first got back to melbourne we lived there for three years and then uh covid hit basically um went up to the hub still had the q house um come back and then we were going to move out to Casey like two times a week. So it was going to be basically like two or three times a week at Casey, two times at Amy Park in the city. And Max, um, who's Max Gorn, one of my close friends, he was down at Blair Gowrie. Um, and he sort of was in my ear saying, oh, like, you know, you try to move down to the peninsula. And I was looking down there, but it's a long way. Like it's a long it's a way trip. down there. So um, I thought to myself, oh, no, I don't really like there. But like, I don't know, maybe somewhere else. And I was looking in. Uh, Mount Martha and I was like oh it's still a little bit farther for, um, further than um, where I'd like to be and then Mount Eliza came up and uh, we were looking 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 and it was literally like every single other person in Victoria had the same idea because we could not get even like an interview or a, a, a scheduled yeah, appointment wow. to get in a house and we were just talking to some lady and she rings me at 9 30 at night I'm like who is ringing no me? boundaries and I was like far out who's ringing me I answer and like I'm really bad at answering the phone because 
a, a little bit like we spoke about right off the top, like of like, is this someone trying to get something off me? Trying to give I'm you like, the shits. I'm like, hello. She's like, hello, is this Jake? And I was like, uh, yeah, who's this? She explained who she was. Um, she's like, oh, you were looking at another house that we had um, online, but we couldn't get you in, but there's this house. Um, do you want to come and have a look at it tomorrow morning at 8.30? And I'm like, it's 9.30 at night. My kid's asleep, like, 8.30, like, what time do I have to leave? I'm trying to work it out. Like, we had just had Jace. Oh, Jace was, like, just starting to sleep through, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, nah, not really. She was like, oh, okay, no worries. And then I was sort of, me and my wife were talking in bed, and then I was like, oh, actually, let's go. Like, let's just go have a look. Couldn't find anything online of photos and that, because, like, Straight away, I typed in the address, looking at photos, nothing. Like, no, like, couldn't even see it on Google Maps. So I was like, what is happening? So, like, I'll ring her back and we're like, hey, yeah, we'll come down. And she's like, oh, that's great, no worries. Came down the next morning, fell in love with, like, the rental property and we're like, oh, my God, this is great. Um, end up getting it, like, amazing. Like, amazing that we got it because, like, yeah, as I said, it was very hard to try and get a house. And then from then on, like, it's just been the best move that I've ever done. And like, that's not just me. That's my wife. Um, that's my um, two kids. Like, I know they don't know any different, but um, even like my in-laws now are down in Mornington. Like they yeah, lived wow. in Essendon or Keelor right next to the airport their whole life for 35 years. It's like now they're like living in Mornington with us. So um, it's just been great to be able to, yeah, move down here. And then it's like, as you said, it's like to get away from footy, it's funny. Like it's a, it's a, big drive like to the club when we train at train at amy but and that's what everyone always says they're like oh yeah but like after a game like you drive from the mcg to mornington like what time do you get home i'm like you know what that is the best time that i have in the car because it's like hawthorne and that are amazing areas but it's like it's too busy like for me that's me that's like it's not not a it's not a one size fits all it's like it's just for me i'm just a bit like it's too busy for me and it's like that 50 minutes in the car from the mcg to my house is like it's like the last 25 minutes i'm like yeah like i go through frankston and like i can go one way or i can go the beach way every time the beach way i like just go have a look at the beach see like i just drive along the beach drive up the hill um and then like just keep looking out at the water and i'm just like how lucky am i like and it is a bit of like gratitude it's like how good is this and because you can i can get into the habit of like why do i live so far away from the footy club like it takes me so long to get home it's so, so like, easy to take it for granted yeah so like last night we left at 4 45 um from the footy club we trained sort of from about 10 30 to 4 45 and 4.45, horrific time to drive on the road like it <laughs> doesn't matter where you're going like it's a terrible time but it's like last night, even then, I was a bit like, I just had to keep thinking to myself, like, you're fine. Like, look where you're going back to. And, like, the house that, you know, we have is, like, that we end up buying in Mornington, moving from Mount Eliza to Mornington. But, um, like, it's like, you're near an amazing cafe. Like, it's a walk to the beach. Like, you walk literally to the beach and then walk along the whole way. Like, it's like, you just have to sometimes have like yeah the gratitude to that because it is it doesn't matter if you're the richest person in the world or the poorest like if you don't have gratitude you won't enjoy your life like it's you still really do have to um take those moments and um live with them because they are uh yeah they are precious and if you just keep living by what's next 
like you just I, I would ju- I'll just lose my mind like yep. if I'm thinking like even right now like we're eventually going to knock our house down um that we're living in at the moment because it's sort of like an oldish house um and like that's why we bought it. it's a lovely block um from where it is and then like it's yeah as I said it's almost like I've always explained it like my grandma's house like it's like it's like your grandma's house three bedroom two bathroom like sort of small like and like me being a big person, like I, every now and then <laughs> I feel a bit cramped. claustrophobic, but um, like we end up knocking it down and everyone always comes like, when are you going to knock it down? And I'm a bit like, oh, I don't even know you. I just love it. They're I love more the house. than you are. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're like, when are you going to do it? It's like, oh no, I don't know. Like after my career, I think like that's what I'm, my plan is. Like unless something happens beforehand, like, um, but like, yeah, it's funny. Like I've just always... I've never ever wanted to be that person of like, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. What can I do next? Uh, what's going to make me happier next? Because if you don't, like, if you can just live in that moment and be like, this is what we've got right now, it's actually everything's like, okay. Everything's fine. What is your absolute favorite thing about living in Mornington? Is it the beach? Is it the lifestyle? Is it being away from the city? Like- um, my favorite thing to do is to wake up in the morning uh, on my day off. And I walk past Dreamer Cafe, which is right around the corner from my house on Dava Drive, and I get a coffee, usually a sneaky bacon and egg roll. Yeah, um, get my kids a a um, baby chino or a chocolate milk, depending what mood they're in. Walking down to the beach, and there's like you walk down the path, and there's a playground there. And every morning, I have to convince my son and my daughter that no. Every morning we walk past the playground, then we go on the playground on the way back. And they're like, no, every morning. They're like, no, no, we're going to go on the playground now. No, we have to go on the playground on the way back. And so I walk over the beach um, and I just, there's this like bench seat with like a ta- uh, two benches and a, and a table. And I sort of just look out at the water um, and I just admire the water. And so I think that's definitely my favorite part of being in Mornington that I can just walk straight to the beach and, um, I never thought I was a beach person growing up in Romsey, which like f- closest beach would be like an hour and a half away. But I've just learnt to love the love the water and looking out. Um, Do you surf? No, uh, no, and I would never surf. I'm yeah. petrified of deep water. Like, is it a shark thing? Shark or? thing. Yeah, okay. shark thing. Definitely yeah. a shark thing. Um, and me and my wife don't help each other because anytime there's a shark anywhere within. I don't know, a thousand kilometre radius of us. Like yeah. Even up in on, Cairns. Like, yeah, See, up in Cairns, we're like, look, look, told you a shark in the water. It's like, yeah, no crap, there's sharks in the water. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I just love going, I do love swimming in the beach. Mm. Um, as long as I'm not You're the pretty furthest, safe in the bay. Yeah, as long as I'm not the furthest person out. That's my theory, I think. Like yeah, if like there's it. someone out further than me, They're good luck strife. to you. Yeah, good luck to you. Um, but yeah, like I, I love, I love the beach. Um, and then also just, yeah, the space and, going somewhere at nine o'clock and not having to worry about like how long it's going to take me. Like if I just want to go down to main street, uh, like I can just drive there and know that it's going to take me five minutes and then five minutes back. Or, um, you know, if I want to go somewhere else, um, close down to the peninsula, I know that it's only going to take me a certain amount of time not having to worry. So, um, yeah, they're definitely my favorite parts of it. And obviously I've got a big block of land, like we're 800 square meters, which in Q and that, like you're not going to find many under no, ten no. million bucks right under square meters. So um, we've obviously been pretty lucky, but yeah, I think they're definitely the the favourite things that I love. What's the best thing that Jason Scarlett have taught you? Ooh, 
What has Jace taught me? Oh, I think I think both kids um, like talk about like gratitude. Like uh, the best thing that kids can do is like the joy they have for such like things. For what that we think you, are little yeah, things. Yeah. You just think are so little. Um, and I, and I remember I watched a video on Instagram or my wife sent me a video on Instagram and it was like, it was a reflection on what you think as a person, you, um, the amount of things that you have like going through your mind of like, oh, I've got, I've got to work today. How much money do we have to buy groceries? Like there is a, a thousand thoughts a day that you have thousands and thousands and worries and everything like that. And there's one thing, like imagine just being a little kid and my son's three years old. Imagine there's one thing in the world that you want and all it is is the attention of your mum or your dad in that moment. And it's like, I always think of that. So it's like, if I'm on my phone and Jace is like, Dad, come play with me, come play with me. If I don't reflect on that, I'm like, yeah, yeah I will in a minute, mate. Like, and everyone does it. It doesn't matter. Like, if you, you tell me that you're a parent and you don't do that, you're lying to me because there's like multiple moments a day where you're like, all right, I'd just love to just sit down on the couch for like five minutes here without anyone talking to me. But it, like, in the end, it doesn't happen with little kids. And I think that's probably the one thing they like that they've taught me is like, it, like, it's almost like to be able to take their thoughts of like, they don't care about anything else. They don't care about if the walls are wider or cream. They don't care about, you know, what we're having for dinner tonight, like until the moment. But it's like that all they want is your attention. Like imagine just the whole time you're just like, all you want is my attention. And like for me not to give it to you, like it's just like, oh God, like I can't even think about it now. Like I, every time I think about it, it's like I'll throw my phone away. I'm like <laughs> straight into playing it with it. So I think, yeah, just what they've taught me is like that. And also the fact that like there's things like my wife yesterday built a aeroplane um, out of cardboard boxes. And I don't think my son has shut up about it for like two coolest days. Thing like, ever. The coolest thing ever. She got like... She cut out like cardboard box, um, little tickets for the plane and like we're going on a plane trip. Like she's very creative because she's a teacher and um, like I, th I feel like my kids are pretty lucky um, with the mum that they've got in terms of the activities that like she does for them and everything. But um, yeah, like cardboard boxes, like it's like honestly, like it's like I, th they were going in the bin when I got home and now they're probably going to sit in my lounge room for like five weeks just being the aeroplane with the thing. It's all so worth it. Like, yeah, so I think they've just taught me to, yeah, be grateful for the little things in life. Yeah, yeah, when you put it in that perspective, it makes you realise like, yeah, you understand why they sort of crack the shits over what we think are little things. Like yeah. that's their whole world. Yeah, definitely. I've got one more before we move on to some rapid fire fan questions. Yep. Jess, we'll swing back to Jess. What's your favourite thing yep. about her? What she taught you? Um, I think that oh, she's definitely taught me a lot about parenting um, because obviously she dealt with a lot of kids all the time with her teaching. Is she teaching. primary or secondary? She's primary. Yeah, she's primary. respect so, that. Yeah, Couldn't prep, do it myself. Prep, prep too. So she loved the preps. Um, I think like she's she's definitely taught me a lot about like yeah like the patience with kids because as I said to you before like even me saying that Jace can't kick the footy yet like it's like 
come on, mate, he's three years old, like give him a spell. But I think being in a professional sport environment, you're always like, yeah, like I'm trying to teach him and he can't learn. And I'm like looking at him like, are you fucking serious? I'm like, are you joking me, mate? Like <laughs> I'm teaching you how to do it and you're not listening. And then he just walks off. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, and I get kind of like, I get frustrated. And But like, I'm not a very angry person. You ask anyone, like I don't really get angry all too often, but um like she can sense my frustration. So like little things like teaching me that. But um, I think that what I spoke about before in terms of her just allowing me to do um, things that I want to do in terms of anything that's going to help my career, like she just allows me to do. Um, I think it's taught me to actually do that to other people too. So like whether that's my son, like, you know, I would love Jace to play football, but if he doesn't want to play football, like that's not, that's, that's not the be all and end all. And Scarlett is the same. Like I would love Scarlett to, you know, be a netballer for Australia. Like that's like, uh, you know, any parent wants your daughter or son to succeed, but um, just actually, you know, giving them the tools and actually allowing them to be able to do that, I think is definitely one thing Jess has taught me, but um yeah, she's definitely taught me how to be romantic too yeah. um, and how important Mother's Day... Were and, you not a romantic before? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I never thought about anyone other than myself, I think, before I met Jess. Um, she spoils me rotten on my birthday and I always, like, I'm like, I always have to try and, like, not do better, but, like, I'm always, like, really, like, Mother's Day... I'm sure if this comes out, Jess won't want to listen to me for an hour and a half. She always listens to me anyway. But um, like Mother's Day, like I've like had to try and like plan so much. Like I printed out like a menu the other day of like what's for breakfast. And like, it's like if this was me five years ago, I was not doing that. Is gifts your uh, love language? Uh, No, it's definitely hers though. Yeah. Definitely hers. Um, Yeah. Do you have to have the same one? Nah, I think I think it's actually not that I'm a fucking love guru. I think it's like <laughs> ideal to have, you know, not the same yeah. one. I think hers is definitely gifts. I think mine's um what like what they do for me. Uh words of affirmation or Nah, it's um there's gifts and then there's some there's another one. Yep. And it's similar to gifts, but it's like what so uh it's like it's almost like chores. Like I enjoy when I get home from footy training, like her cooking dinner, mm. like, and I sort of just roll acts in. Acts of service. Or acts something. of service, yeah. that's what it is, acts of service. Like, or little things like if I need a new drink bottle, like, instead of me going from training, going to get a drink bottle, I'd love to come home and she's got the drink bottle for yeah. me, like, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think she's definitely definitely taught me how to, uh, yeah, buy gifts and that because, yeah, I think growing up, like, you know, you don't really buy gifts for anyone. I've never seen anyone in my whole entire life get more enjoyment about buying gifts for other people than my wife. And like all our friends talk about it. Like every time they've got a birthday, like it's like, I'd sort of be like, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Give them a Bunnings gift card or something like that. Whereas <laughs> Jess has like thought about this present and bought it. So like, I think that's definitely something else that she's taught me yeah. how to, uh, how to treat someone that yeah that you love um, and give them gifts and um, in the end like even Mother's Day like I'm actually excited for Mother's Day. whereas like my first Mother's Day for her I was like oh no what am I doing like 
I'm so nervous. Like, I don't know what to get her. Like, what am I doing? Whereas now, like, it's like, I'm actually excited to be able to, because you can see the enjoyment out of the face. It's like the kids, like you see the enjoyment and um, you like to be able to do that. Yeah, I'd love to one day be a, be the person that can give good gifts to people that yes. deserve it. Like, my dad's got a Bunnings gift card for yep. probably the last 10 years. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, oh, speaking of Jess, your wedding, did you have BT at your wedding? <laughs> yes. Roaming BT? Yeah, BT's Why? a uh, family friend. So Harry, his son, I actually played Colder Cannons with and they lived in... Um, they lived in Riddles Creek and I lived in Romsey. Um, so they lived on a farm and we used to drive Harry home from training when BT was as busy as he is. Um, so, yeah, he came came to my wedding and it only happened real late. I was sort of a bit like, who do we want to MC? And um, I ended up getting the getting the balls to ask him. Um, and like as the man that he is, he was all for it and he was uh, very excited. Did his... Did his research and uh, yeah, he he did a bit of roaming Brian, which uh, was possibly other than Jess walking down the aisle was probably my favourite moment That's of the phenomenal. night. Yeah, it was great. Got a handful on this list of fan questions fan that have questions. just responded to the uh, the story that I whacked up on Insta. Actually, I've got one here that I didn't want to forget about first. So, firstly, I'm just going to do some teammate word association. I've got ten words yep. here. First teammate that comes to your mind. Not allowed to think. Just first one that comes to your mind. Funny. You're Jake, thinking. Jake Melksham. Bizarre. Clayton Oliver. In what way? In every way. <laughs> He's just a unit. Snags. Bailey Fritz. Yep. Beast. Track. White line fever. Jack Viney. Any white line fever stories? From Jack Viney? Oh, he's just... Or he's just like, a maniac. Yeah, he's got small man syndrome too, yeah. so he's, he hasn't got a great combination. Yeah, he's just an angry, angry man like when he walks onto the field and um, no real stories. Oh, another person would be Maisie. He's obviously, you've seen yeah. some white line fever from him. Oh, so. yeah. Positivity? Positivity would be uh, Alex Neil Bullen. Reliable? Stephen May. Young Gun. Judd McVeigh. Veteran. Last one. Michael Hibbard. Yeah, good. He'll help. He, he will hate that I said that. <laughs> Got a handful here from the audience. First one, speaking of Macy, from Ben Ressenberger. Would you rather 1v1 Pig or May? I'd rather Pig. Why? Would I rather well, play on pig or would I rather... Just, uh, 1v1, so I don't know if that's so, in a biff or... Yeah, I hope it's not in a biff. Um, or like on the footy field, I don't know. On the footy field, who would I rather verse is... I'd rather verse pig because Maisie would just grab me and I wouldn't be able to move. I feel like I'd be able to hopefully try and get around pig. Um, biff. Um, that's from Dave Ryan for you. Thank you. <laughs> Mate. Oh, that. Um, oh, I don't think I want to fight either of them. Yeah, one v one. I don't want to fight either of them. Fair enough. The scary men. Oh, both of them. What do you love about James Jordan from Lockie Kennett? What do I love about James Jordan? I love that his his little smirk when he thinks that he made a really funny joke to you, but it's not funny at all. So he <laughs> he. he as I said to before, he was my first child um, that I had um, at, at, at my house. So, um, 
yeah, we've got some fond memories, me and JJ. And like, I, it's funny, like, because every time you have someone live in your house for a week, even though it's only a week, like, you just get to know them so much more. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's an absolute champion and um, on the field, like, just so reliable in everything he does. But yeah, he thinks he's funny sometimes, but he's not a funny man. Not, no. Yeah. When it's all said and done, would you consider a move to the MPNFL? In particular, Frankston YCW. <laughs> no. Not Frankston YCW. Not Frankston what No, to be honest, I don't want to play local footy when I'm finished because I just, like, imagine me going to play local footy. One, I'm not playing in defence. I'm playing at full forward. Yeah. And imagine, like, blokes just heckling me from the goal square. Like, I just... I, I go and watch local footy a little bit and, like, to see the ex-AFL players, what they cop, um, yeah. I just think to myself, you know what? I don't really want to achieve that. Jared Grant's running around in the MPNFL for Frankston Bombers, and I think, why would you do it? Yeah, no, nah, not what, You're putting a target on your head. Uh, from Tess Rowley and Dave Ryan, you are a country music man, which is, yep. to my disappointment, we had a few conversations about that yep. on the gym yes, floor. Yes, we have. What's your favourite country song? My favourite country song uh, right now would be Five Leaf, Col- uh, Five Leaf Clover from Luke Combs. Um, all Time... Oh, hunting, fishing every day from Luke Bryan's good. Luke Bryan, um, yeah. I so three massive artists I've got is Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, and uh, yeah, Luke Bryan would be the third one. So anything from then, I'm just like, yeah. I can appreciate some Luke Combs. Um, when it rains, it pours by Luke yeah, Combs. It's yeah, like, yeah. I'm actually song. seeing Luke Combs in August here. So, um, yeah, we recently, there's a, there's probably three or four that love country music. So me, Clayton Oliver, um, Kate Chandler and Harry Petty went to see Morgan Wallen when he was here. Um, again, like unbelievable night. Like it was absolutely Good. amazing. So he was at Rod Laver, like phenomenal. I, like, again, you're talking about, you know, that you're not a massive fan of country music. And I actually thought that, um, that was a large majority of people. I thought there was only a small circle of country music. Like Rod Laver, literally, like I've never, it was so packed. Oh, I'm like, this guy's well, like... There's a lot of closet, like, yeah. country music enthusiasts, yes. and then, which like, I wouldn't have picked. But then they're not closet when they get there. They've got yeah. bloody boots on and cowboy hats, and I'm like looking at it like, I just had like Is a Is that bit you of a, or do you just... Nah, I just had a bit music. of a yeah. flannel on, and yeah. I was like, sort of like trying to fit in and I was mm. like I couldn't believe the outfits that were coming I was like gee whiz like this is right into it who's got the worst music taste at the club when they get on the uh, tunes like in the gym or whatever yeah look everyone everyone would probably say me because it's okay. either country and as I said there's only like four or five of us or my other favourite um, band or just genre is Nickelback like okay, yeah. Nickelback is like I just go straight. Like if I've if I've got the speaker, it's Nickelback. I can get around Nickelback, and I think people only hate Nickelback because it's a pile on. Yeah, yeah. Like they definitely. don't actually hate Nickelback. Definitely. Nah. Every every time I'm on the music, like Nickelback, and to be honest, it's only really the, like the 18, 19, 20 year olds that sort of like, oh, what's this song? It's the cool like, thing it's like, to hate Nickelback. Whereas like when you're like thirty or like you know twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven yeah. in the group, like because we do it with like defenders. So the defenders, there's like a, a little bit of a mix, and then everyone loves the Nickelback, but all the young kids are like, what's this song? Whereas they'll come around. But it's funny because I listen to their music and I think to myself, this is terrible. Like, what is this song? Like, it doesn't even have any words. Like, but they love it. So like. 
who's got the mu- worst music taste? It just depends who you're asking. Because if you ask Kay Chandler who's got the best music taste, you'd say me. But like if you ask Christian Petrarca, he'd be like someone else. So it's like it's funny that um, yeah, it's I can't handle the I can't handle music with no words. It doesn't really do it. For H- highly me. subjective. Um, like for me. As long as it's not like death metal screamo shit. Yeah. yeah. I'm not too fussy. Yeah, not too, like even with country, I can get around yeah. it. Um, a lot of rogue ones, a lot of ones about mustaches. Does the mustache hold secret powers? Mustache care routine. No, How does- no mustache care routine, if you believe it or not. Like literally, I don't even trim it. Like I, it's, I think it's kind of gross, but sometimes like when I'm nervous, I think I like bite it and it must like trim the sides or something. <laughs> I don't really know, but Takes care of itself. I just honestly, I've never touched this since I've grown it's it and it's like four years. So obviously I have to shave my beard, but um, yeah, never, ever had to, yeah, like even doesn't even hang over my lip. That's what people kept asking me. Like, how doesn't it grow? I was like, oh, I don't actually know why it doesn't. I was um I was doing a Google image search to get you so I could um put you on my story and promote the yep. podcast and I saw a picture of you without a mo and it fucking it freaked me out but it was yeah. uh, unnerving like yeah. are you are you prepared for when you do eventually shave it that your kids aren't going to recognise you or they're going to cry or I think they won't recognise me they'll yeah. be like what the hell is that um because I've shown Jace photos of me without one I'm like who's this and he's like I don't know and I'm like oh god it's really but it's funny because. I reckon I'm about eight out of ten people say never ever shave your mustache off, but then there's the two out of ten every now and then and be like, Oh man, you look so young with your mustache. Why don't you shave it off? Like, um, so it's funny. There was a there was a photo actually, or there was like this poster at Casey Fields and it was me at uh a place called uh Bungeel Place in like um like near Casey. We did a clinic there. And the poster was like community and I was like around two kids with the footy jumper and I had no moustache. And one of the days, um, it's always there. It's always just sitting there. It's been there for like five years. And like there's a few comments every now and then about it. And I said to one of the young kids his first year, I was like, oh, what about that? What do you, do you think about that with no moustache? And he turned around. He's like, what? <laughs> I don't get it. He's like, I don't understand what you're saying. I was like, look, like no moustache. He's like, who is that? And I was like looking at him. I was like, "That's me." And he's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, "Mate, I promise you, that's me." And he's like, "Oh my god, it is you!" And I, so it's like, it must be a real, uh, yeah. I get noticed way more with it. I think yeah. that's what, like, when I didn't have it, it was sort of like people might see me and be like, "Hey, that looks like that guy that plays footy," and then be like, "Oh no, oh, probably, mate, not. probably not." Um, uh, the best one I've ever had with my mustache is a kid. A kid walked past me, and he was about six or seven, and he had a Brisbane jumper on. And he's like, um, he he said something. He said something like sort of to his dad next door. And his dad looked at me. He goes, oh, "How funny is that?" He thought you were a footy player. He thought you were Joe Danaher. And I just oh. kept walking, and my wife was just losing it. And I was like, "Oh yeah, he thought I was a footy player. That's funny." And I just kept walking, and he was like, "Yeah." Thought you were a footy player. Thought you were Joe Danaher, and I was like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah. Anyway, so I do get noticed much more with it. It's like I guess it's like the Maxi Maxi Gorner bald head and beard. Like yeah. it just makes you a bit more distinct. Yes, it does. It does. Last one from the fans, and you can feel free to go as deep or don't go into it as deeply as you want. Um, when was the last time you cried or felt overwhelmed emotionally? Ooh. 
I, I cried both times my kids were born, which I never thought I would. Like, I think that, um, not that I'm not an emotional person. Um, I think that when I think of emotional people, I think of my wife because she cries every time there's something happened bad on her TV show. And it's a bit of a joke between us that we're always like, um, you know, oh, she's like, oh, I'm crying again. And like, nothing's happened on my TV show. But um, yeah, I just never thought I would. And then as soon as Jace um, was born, like I cried and then Scarlett was the same thing. So um, obviously they're happy tears. Um, and you're just like overwhelmed with the amount of yeah emotion that you've got um, at that time. But I don't know, like it, as I said, like I, I try and look at the positive out of a lot of things. Um, I haven't really had, I've been quite lucky. I haven't had a lot of death in in my family or anything like that so my um, grandpa passed away and so did my nan but um, that was sort of when I was like 15 or 16 Um, yeah but since then it's it's probably just been yeah when the kids were born or um, I think I might have shed a tear when I snapped my plantar fascia because it was probably that at that point of like god like it just I'd gotten through a lot of the stuff and then it happened and then it was like I was sitting there for three months training my ass off and then three days before round one, I snap it and I was like, yeah, like gee whiz. And I actually ended up having some time off and um, just I had like, it would have been a week. Like I just, I couldn't come into the footy club. I was a bit like defeated. Um, There was a little bit going on outside of football for me that um, wasn't great too. So like I didn't really... It was, I wasn't really motivated to come into the footy club. And it's funny because I think it's it's coming out more and more um, that people are beginning to be able to talk about it, um, their mental health. And, um, you know, we've had a few um, people this year um, at our footy club, you know, either have time off or just mention it. And it's it's funny that once, it, once you actually do mention it, um, the amount of respect and then therefore like care that those people do get – um, and I think it's just so brave that people can talk about it because, you know, like I think that it is such a hard topic to talk about if your mental health isn't at the standard that you want it to be. Um, and being at a footy club, like uh, the stigma is like, or, or the, the perception is, and it, and it really pisses me off sometimes that, well, what do you, what are you injured about mental health? You get paid well, you play footy for a living and, all this and like it really frustrates me because it's a really hard job physically yes but mentally as well like it's um when you're not playing well not only are you disappointing yourself the coaches are probably writing you about things you reflect all the time on the things that you do in your life like if i rock and this is no disrespect to any other job but if i like my mates right they get pissed on a sunday night they go out have a few beers they rock up monday morning and they're an apprentice carpenter, the worst thing they could do is probably shoot themselves in the hand with a nail gun, but they're not really going to... Like, they could probably go under the radar, and I know yeah. that some of them have done this. They go under the radar and get through the Monday. It's easy, and easy to push through a Monday. Easy to push through. Whereas, like, if we go out Sunday night, Monday, we're like, we've got training, and we've got to perform. And, like, I'm not saying that alcohol... You know, you need alcohol to reset and that but it's like you don't really have that opportunity to be able to do that and it doesn't have to just be that you're hung over I'm talking like 
you've got so many different personalities that when someone that is up and about um, enthusiastic so full of energy and they come in on a Monday and at their mental health they might just be like oh man just like there's a lot of things that have been going on in my life I haven't been playing great football um, you know I had a fight with my girlfriend last night and you come in Monday like you notice it so much more because you're there to perform and one they can't perform at the level they can but two like they're just not giving the same energy and vibe that they normally do so um then it's like, how do you approach that as well? Like, but I, I'm so proud of definitely our footy club on on how they actually do that and they the care that they give for people because in the end, like, you can only perform great and you know probably win premierships with happy people. And I think it's funny because I think the last two years, the best two teams off field and the ones that have been mentally. Um, like at their best are the ones that won the grand final. Like Geelong last year, you could tell that like they were just living their life. Like Jeremy Cameron, like living on the farm and Tom Hawkins, you could just tell that they were just like so free in, in in their life outside of football. And then on the field, they just like were performing. They were in flow. And we were like that the year before 2021. We went to the hub, but we actually – really made sure that we saw the hub as an opportunity and how good's this and I think the wives even had a, a little bit of a a pack to be able to feel that too so like I'd talk to my uh, Jess and she was just pumped like she's like oh no everything's fine back home like everything's great how's Perth like pumping it up and it wasn't until I got home she was like oh my god there was a lot going on back here. Like Scarlett wasn't sleeping. She had to be held to sleep all night. Like she's, and like we were lucky enough that um, Jess's mum was around the corner. So like, you know, she come and live with Jess for the time that I was gone. But it's, it's funny that like, yeah, the mentally, um, yeah, the best team mentally and um, yeah, free in the mind of definitely like stress and everything like that end up winning the grand final um, and they might have had things going on at Geelong and even at our footy club that I didn't know about but when you get to the footy club you can every day you get to feel that vibe and um, you can sense if blokes are flat or the team flat or something like that so um, yeah it is definitely such a an important part of um, football these days but it's equally as important in life outside you can see like mental health um it's definitely being talked about a lot more and I awesome. think it's such such a valid point um, and such a valid conversation to be able to have because in the end, like, you're only as good as how healthy you are mentally. So how do you pick a teammate up that is a bit flat? Oh, good question. Um, I think it's different for each person um, because some people you do need to sort of let them, not vent, but, like, you can sense that... Um, that they just sort of don't want to be talked to. Um, and as I said, like we put a lot of resources and time into ours. So we've got a psychologist, we've got a PDM, which is a player development manager, um, Reese Conker, um, oh, used yeah. to play at um, Richmond and then obviously at Freo and he's a freak. Like he's so good. He's um, an amazing person to have at the footy club and our psychologist, Steve, he's he's amazing. And then we've got two doctors, um, Laura and Jacob, like, who are equally as good as um, both of those people in terms of managing mental health. They've seen a lot of things. Um, they've been in, involved in the footy club a long time. So we've got a lot of resources around it. But I guess 
then the most important point is that then the coaches and the players back that stuff up. So you can have a psychologist say that, oh, you know, Tyler's having a, a tough day that he needs to, you know, he needs to have the next two or three days off. But, you know, Goody as the coach comes and goes, nah, mate, he's training tomorrow. He's, I don't care how mentally he is. Like, it, that's not at all our footy club. Like, Goody's is, is supportive and so is his um, team of coaches. Um, to be able to give players um, time off or whatever they need at the time. So, yeah, for me, I think that it's just pointing those guys in the right direction um, because some guys deal with it all the time and some it might be, like, brand new. So you actually might have to sort of push those guys towards potentially the psychologist or the doctor or whoever it is. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just really individualised. And, um, yeah, I... I I guess as a player that I've been there for a long time and I feel like my relationships with guys are good, like you generally know what's going on with them. So a player might walk in, he might be flat and you know that there's been something happening either at home or outside of footy that you know, oh shit, maybe it just flared up again and, you know, he needs a, he needs a bit of a chop out or just a tap on the bum and say, mate, you're all right, like everything all good, you want to talk about it. Um, so I think it's just actually... Yeah, getting to know people because yeah, if you fire blokes up that, or you'd be like, oh, what's wrong with you? What are you doing, you sook, or something like that? It can actually really like, yeah, it, it there's, I could imagine that there'd be some arguments and some. Yeah, you're fighting yeah, fire with fire. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. it's definitely um, an important point to take everyone individual. Yeah, I guess, like every business almost, it's a, it's a relationship building business, yeah. and the most successful ones are the ones that can foster really strong and healthy relationships absolutely yeah it's definitely relationship based now like that's what coaches are realistically um you talk about like good coaches tactically and everything like like can he give a good rev up or something it's like man i'm telling you goody is purely like a like it's almost like he's whole role or 90 percent of it is relationship yes he's got he's the way that we play uh the team that he picks um everything like that but even those two things the way that we play, blokes are only going to play that way if you have a good relationship with them and then they do believe in what you're doing. Like the team that you pick, like in the end, it's like the team gets picked because Goody has a good relationship with those players that are playing. Like it's like it's funny that everything just revolves, as you said, back to relationships. I'll make this the last one because I do have to go and coach shortly. Favourite thing about Goody? Favourite thing about Goody is... I think that he's developed so much in terms of, I reckon when I first got to the footy club, um, as every new coach I think does, wants to control everything. Whereas the footy club goes out and gets the best people for that role. So whether it's the strength coach, high performance manager, assistant coach, whatever it is, they're going out to get the best. So why would then Goody take over that person's role and say, no, no, you need to do it like this. So the best thing that I've noticed about Goody is obviously his relationships, but then his ability to let go and let the people do what they do best and what they specialise in. And um, I think that's what successful clubs um, have, um, even like Geelong. Like you can see there, like Chris Scott's a coach, but like it's like he's never there. Like he's like you can see that like everyone else just plays their role and they can um, they specialize in something and therefore um, that's what they do. And the coach has got to have the ability to just let go. So um, yeah, they're the two things that I think that he's best at is his relationships and then his ability to let people thrive in what they do. 
love it. I could sit here for another two hours and just chat with you, mate. It's been phenomenal. Awesome to finally get you on. Thank you. Um, we spoke injuries before. Little do the public know, you actually nearly suffered a potentially career-ending injury here at the hands of one of our members. Do you know what I'm referring to or alluding to? No. no. Maybe you don't know about it, but one of our members, Dave Ryan, the bread man, carrying a barbell on his shoulder, swung around, and I wasn't here at the time, but apparently centimetres from wow. taking your head clean off your shoulders. That's all right. I would have, I would have just copped it on the chin and just walked away with <laughs> it. Walked away. Um, but I'm guessing here, it says on the bag, Chef Dave Ryan, this is for you. He's baked beautiful. you some uh, beautiful Turung oh. Farm sourdough bread oh, for you to take home. Kit. It's phenomenal. Probably the best sourdough bread on yeah. the peninsula, mate. Yes. Is he the um, chef there? Yeah, he is. Wow. That's huge. So, I need to talk to him. I was actually, I'm trying to find here. the I'm trying to find bagels. I wonder if they do bagels at Tarong Farm. I'll ask him on yeah, the way He out. might be here, so uh, he'd be one to ask on your yeah, way out, mate. Beautiful. Um, yeah, we don't have the footy show big prize back, but you got some That's sourdough right. bread some from sourdough. Dave Ryan, mate. Um, any local mornings and Peninsula businesses you want to pump up before we go? I love my local cafe, Dreamer Cafe. Um, ben, I think. He might have asked a question there, Benny. Ben Rosenberg, is that? Oh, Rosenberg? Yeah. Rosenberg? Did he ask a bit of a question? Did yeah. He, he thinks yeah. he's funny. Um, Benny, no, he's obviously runs a great cafe um, right around the corner from me. Um, obviously, Virtus, like Virtue, Virtus? Virtus. Virtus. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I love this place. Like, as I, like, right off the top, as I was talking about, like, it's um, one of my favourite places to come. Um, and, yeah, that's about it, really. I just like to keep it local. I'm not, I'm, I don't venture too far out. Like yeah. I'm very like here. Um, yeah. I haven't, I haven't found a good footy over around here yet though. Like there's one around the corner, but I normally go down to Rye footy over because that's, yeah, that's, a good that's, deck. A, that's a good deck. So usually do my off season training there. But as I said, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, yeah, locally just stuck to Dreamer Cafe. Well, if you and, want to uh, trek up the uh, mountain to Red Hill, I hear that's a pretty good footy club up there. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you'll have me after my career. If I just yep. want to coach, I don't want to play because you, yeah, mate. you'll try and take Shit, me no. out or something. Oh, no. <laughs> no, definitely. I, I actually do like the Red Hill footy over. That's right across the road from um, one of my favourite restaurants, actually, Red uh, Red Gum Barbecue. Oh, yes. For not, yes. Mate, we didn't even talk about meat. I know. I'm a big meat I man. Know. Massive, massive. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big meat man. I, I can't eat steak close to the game at the minute, though. Feel a bit heavy. So yeah, okay. Well, mate, uh, Tommy McDonald has yeah, a I don't know pre-game meal, doesn't he? He's like, yeah, lunch, like two 500-gram steaks. Like, it's phenomenal. Like, I don't know what he's doing, but he, I don't know how he doesn't feel heavy, but <laughs> especially running around. If you're just doing it on the on the go, it's fine. But, uh, yeah, Red red Gum Barbecue is definitely one of my favourites. Yeah, f- phenomenal place. Good mac. Good mac and cheese. Great mac and cheese, definitely. Cornbread, unbelievable too. Simply the best. Um, been awesome to have you on, mate i got to get coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Appreciate mate. your time so much. No worries. Thank you.